This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Radio Marinara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R sponsors. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Two minutes past nine, you're tuned to 102.73 Triple R and it's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. And I'm Terry Allen. Hello, Hello Terry. <laughs> I'm still uh, coming down from final bits. You're a bit hyper, aren't you? There <laughs> <laughs> must be all that sugar on the cupcakes. Or the oh, well, I actually haven't even had one, so that's a real worry, That's your isn't problem. It? <laughs> hey, thanks very much, Tim, and what fun the last hour has been um, with uh, both uh, Evo and Angus in studio representing the Rock Dogs. Um, you won't know this because you won't be able to see this, but Tim's got a red and white check shirt on, so I did feel like we were, we were appropriately balanced. But it is Community Cup Day. We're extremely excited. Uh, I've, I've already talked talked about it for about an hour so I'm not going to go on too much about it. A few little references in fact all the music we're playing today on Radio Marinara is from bands who you can see when you go down to the Community Cup today down at Elstonwick Park really hope to see you there. Come up and say day. I'm officially listed on the record as footy mum <laughs> but um, excellent. you'll see me running around with clipboards and attending to physio needs and doing all that kind of stuff. It should be a great day. Nice weather, hopefully. Nice and sunny. Yeah, we'll get to the weather forecast in a moment because it's uh, it's an absolute perler. Um, so, yes, thank you very much to Tim. And uh, our show today, shortly, we're going to do a little bit of news. Uh, then we're going to have in studio Neil Blake, who is our very own baykeeper for Port Phillip Bay. He's going to be 
talking about uh, a few different things. The need for citizen science, uh, more so than ever. Our work of uh, our Baykeeper Network in Rye. There's some work going on in Rye next week. Um, uh, a really amazing international award for one of the Port Phillip Eco Centre's uh, staff. Very exciting. It's a United Nations award. And also a new project aimed at engaging youth for local coastal monitoring and habitat improvement. So lots mm. to get through. So I look forward to having Neil in shortly. We're going to do a, a bit of a truncated dive report, um, but something really exciting, Terry, that you've brought in. Uh, yeah, Very appropriate for Community Cup Day. The, about the turtles? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the, uh... the turtles we're going to do, I think, up with news. But no, yeah, yes, yeah. Bowie Brankia. Oh, yeah, Bowie Brankia. Yeah. So this is... Uh, I've, I've actually just come back from the Philippines where I saw a few amazing nudibranchs, but this is even more amazing that... There's a fantastic uh, site where someone has matched up uh, the beautiful uh, nudibranchs along with the David Bowie costumes and uh, persona. And um, it's really incredible, actually. It's really... <laughs> it is. The more you go through it, there are about 30 images. Oh, yeah. It just keeps going. And, and yeah, think, wow. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> uh, then we're going to be joined in studio by Rob Gell. Rob is a council member of the Victorian Coastal Council, uh, as well as being Melbourne's favourite weatherman. Oh, wow. He's my favourite weatherman, oh, yeah. so I think I can, you know, <laughs> we can we can extend that to all of Melbourne. Uh, and Rob's going to be coming in as well as uh, he's going to be talking about an upcoming meeting in Melbourne called Coast to Coast. And this is a meeting that takes place every two years where coastal managers from around Australia gather, usually in a different capital city. I think they're always in capital cities. And talk about... Uh, thing. It's a conference, so they talk about things relating to coastal management. And this year's one is in Melbourne. Mm. It's at the MCG. In It's coming up at the end of August. And Rob's going to be talking about this particular conference. Uh, and I think registrations are still open for another week. You can get early bird registration. Registration, but uh, talking about some of the conference themes, some of the great keynote speakers who are uh, coming to Melbourne as well. Right. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. And then Jeff Maynard is coming in. And as it turns out, it's Jeff's last appearance on Radio Marinara for this year. Uh, he's got some big things happening in his life. So he's coming in and bringing us a special offering from his treasure chest of nautical oral treats. I have <laughs> no idea what that means or, or what he's bringing in, but I'm really looking forward to having Jeff in studio as always. Let's do the uh, unofficial Community Cup weather forecast <laughs> because Rob Gell's going to be bringing in the real one. 12 degrees today but sunny. Yes. Early frost patches about the outer suburbs, mostly sunny morning becoming a little bit cloudy in the afternoon but light winds becoming north to northwesterly, 15 to 25 kilometres an hour in the morning and then becoming light in the evening. So a little bit of a breeze but not too bad. Mm. Uh, Which end will be favoured, Bron? I was just thinking that. It'll be the southern end, yeah. I would assume. So Maybe. the scoreboard end. Yeah. Mm, scoreboard end will be favoured. But it's the very first place uh, I... I used to be a goal umpire as a university student at Melbourne Uni and my first final that I uh, goal umpired at was at Elston Wick, so old history for me there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, looking forward to having an amazing day. Megahertz are looking mighty fine. Oh, mighty megahertz. Oh, the mighty megahertz. <laughs> they are primed. They are well slept. Oh. I sh was planning on mentioning this when, uh, whenever I was in studio. Jace, sorry. Jason, if you're listening. Um... Apparently he doesn't like Evo. Unfortunately, I think he's stuck with that for life. But anyway, uh, yeah, we are we are very very good. Good, looking good, well slept, 
Lots of good food. Ah, unlike Very the rock fit. dogs, maybe. Oh, they've been partying all week. <laughs> good, They've good. had three big late drinking nights out of four. But that's the how they probably the function. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> This is going to be fun. It's very muddy out there too. Oh. I saw I saw an image doing the rounds on social media yesterday. It's going to be a mud, a mud bath for all. Hugely entertaining. That's oh, more fun. Yes. Uh, tomorrow's forecast, if you're interested, I think everyone's probably switched off by now. <laughs> I'm only really interested in today. But anyway, tomorrow, possible shower in 12 or cold. And then in the mid-teens for most of the week and dry, so partly cloudy, maybe a couple of showers on Thursday. Showers easing on Friday and down to 12, so hovering between 12 and 15 for the week. The tide times, if you're wanting to go out there and do something on the water. We are looking at a low tide at 10 to 1. And then at high tide, uh, that's irrelevant because <laughs> it's a 7.30 tonight, but a low tide at 10 to 1. And a quick surf forecast, wave heights slowly easing across Victorian coast, breezy northwest winds producing good conditions in Torquay, water temperatures 14. Mm. So we got to that point where yeah. water temperatures actually... Bay and the ocean are about the same. About the same. Yeah. And the ocean will be a little bit warmer now. And probably. it'll actually be warmer yeah. in the water than out today. Yeah, except for the poor fellow that fell off the Tasmanian ferry. I'm sure uh, he's not... He didn't enjoy that. I didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've lost someone. He just fell off. Wow. Yeah, about 100 miles south. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Pretty awful. Uh, Phillip Island, experienced surfers... We'll find uh, good waves at the reefs early this in the morning. Uh, Mornington Peninsula, open beaches are too big and bumpy. You need to get to Elstonwick Park instead. <laughs> Flinders may have a small clean wave on the turn of the tide, but don't bother. You're better off to go to Elstonwick Park. And Surf Coast, uh, don't bother. Go to Elstonwick Park. All right. Time for a quick bit of news, and then I think we'll listen to some music. Terry? Yeah, so I saw on the, uh, I think it was the ABC News last night, a uh, report about... Um, an increasing spate of uh, herpes that's attacking the um, sea turtles, I think it was the green turtles, um, up on the Great Barrier Reef. And uh, I think it's... It, it, obviously, it's increasing and uh, I think it obviously leads to blindness and the, the pictures they showed on the news last night look pretty awful. Um, and, of course, they, uh, the scientists there were contemplating is this related to the general state of the reef and mm. the general health and they don't know that but um it is interesting that it seems to be increasing so our poor turtles uh yeah pretty nasty stuff what what's the management plan for it is there anything that can be done oh i don't know i think it these uh, the scientists they showed last night were just uh doing the surveys and and noting the the increase so um yeah it'd be good to read up more uh, about mm. that that's a bit depressing yeah yeah I'm wondering whether we can... Actually, I've got a couple of quick bits of news because I'm going to play a really upbeat track and I feel bad <laughs> going from news like that to a All really right. upbeat Let, track. Let's talk something happy. I saw lots of turtles in the Philippines and they were lovely and clean and healthy. And oh, that's They were good. great. Oh, that's good. A <laughs> um, couple of quick things, actually, lead up to the federal election next weekend. Um, just a couple of presses that have come out and we haven't been able to follow these up for interview, but I just wanted to mention them. One is from Stop the Trawler Alliance and uh, they put out a presser on Friday. Uh, Coalition, the last left supporting super trawlers this election and it says just one week out from federal election, the coalition has been isolated in their support for super trawlers. Stop the Trawler Alliance have assessed policy positions. They found that the Labor Party, the Greens and the Tasmanian based Jackie Lambie Network are all backing a ban on super trawlers in response to persistent concerns over the impact 
impacts on Australian jobs, fisheries and iconic marine life. So uh, interesting mm. one there, if that's an election issue for you. Especially in the Geelong area, that might... Uh the uh, interests, the Krangamite. That's right. And mm. interesting, the Stop the Trawler Alliance, they're actually um, a cross-sector representative group. They've actually got membership from uh, Environment Tasmania, Game Fish Tasmania, um, Sports Club and Independence as well. So an interesting one there. Uh, another one I wanted to mention quickly, and this was, again, a very late presser that came through. There's a really interesting... Um, reef scorecard that's been produced by a group called Fight for the Reef because we're mentioning the reef just mm. before. This is a um, quick summary on where all the parties stand in terms of the Great Barrier Reef mm. and their uh, commitment and prioritising of the reef with their various policy uh, commitments for the upcoming election. So if you want to go along to that, that's actually going to be uh, released on this coming Wednesday, 29th of June. So it's not out yet, but we'll put a link uh, to that scorecard on our Facebook page and you can have a look at it uh, when it comes out on Wednesday. In the meantime, if you're wanting to read a little bit more about it, there's an article in The Guardian. So if you go into The Guardian and just search uh, Great Barrier Reef uh, scorecard, mm. you'll, you'll be able to find it there. The Guardian's very good. They actually have a lot of reports on, on, the, on the reef. Mm. They're, they're excellent. And they're good. They're balanced. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed that too. Speaking of cracking stuff, good morning, Neil Blake. G'day. How are you going? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks uh, for coming in. No, it's always great to be here, Bronwyn. There's an action-packed day today. There's a lot of energy in the air, so it's terrific, really. That's right. <laughs> so it's really good to be part yeah. of it. Uh, what's been happening with Baykeeper? I mentioned a few things at the start of the show. Yeah, well, there's uh, heaps going on. Uh, we're continuing with our citizen science uh, activities around the bay with different groups. So um, we're going to be down at uh, Tyrone Foreshore next Thursday to do a bit of live mollusk surveying and uh, also do some beach profiling. So we've come up with a, a bit of a an ancient method of actually uh, measuring uh, sand surface levels, which is uh, really quite good fun. Mm. Uh, so how do you do that? Well, it's a water level, uh, which I learnt of my brother as a builder, and he used to set out for um, concrete pores and things like that. Oh, just okay, so with a spirit level. A bit of string? <laughs> well, it's actually a tub of water which has got a flexible... Uh, uh, clear tube attached to it then you uh, uh, have a, a measuring device on the end of the tube which you can move around to any point and the, the water level in the tub always equates to the level in the tube so you can actually uh, work out the difference in, uh, in levels in any given site in the area. Brilliant. And how can people get involved if they want to come along and, and volunteer and, and help out? Well, the easiest way really is just to uh, uh, look at the Echo Centre website. Yep. And there are events that are actually listed on there. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the simplest way. And just turn up or do you need to sort of... Well, it's good to, um, to know how many people are coming. So, yep. uh, you know, um, it's just so we can plan, yep. plan ahead a little bit yep. for the logistics and that sort of thing. Great. Now, I mentioned at the start of the show uh, the Baykeeper Network's doing some work in Rye next week. What's that all about? Yeah, well, that's what I was just talking about. Oh, that's, about. that's uh, the one, yeah, right. So, uh, and and th those activities are uh, similar around uh, different points around the base. So we're, we're also going to be doing some... Uh, Beach profiling in Middle Park too, so uh, in the next in the next week too. And um, talk us through a mollusk survey. Is that intertidal or is that? Is it is intertidal. As though. well, we're particularly interested in the sandy seabed mollusks, which don't seem to have been really all that well documented. Although you know we know what species are there, but there don't appear to have been any systematic uh, surveys of them. Um, and so, in that sense, you know, they're, they're, 
they're a bit of the poor cousins of the, the rock pool sort of mollusks, which seem to be well studied. And it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind too. That's I right. Mean, inter- intertidal mollusks are easy to see because the tide goes out, you can see them there. But the subtidal ones, particularly the ones that are benthic, so they live in under the sand. That's right, yeah. So you, don't, you don't know what's there until you really go digging and look for them. Yeah, so, I mean, the people who go fishing for bait and stuff might might actually see them but they don't bother actually recording anything so uh, we essentially just take a, a sample of the seabed and sieve it and yep. then record which mollusk species take photographs measure them etc so we, we any given site around the bay we, we know what populations are there mm. uh, now we mentioned earlier to um a bit of an international recognition for one of your people down at the Port Phillip Eco Centre. Yeah. Well, What's happened here? This is very exciting. Oh, well, Geo, is, he's been a legend for a while, but not... He's, and more people are starting to hear about it now. So uh, he's a, a young man who's 19 years old now who's been working on uh, biodiversity protection since he was about 10. Oh, wow. And um, he lives quite close to St Kilda Botanical Gardens. But, uh, he's um, particularly... Uh, came to my attention, I guess, uh, when he was quite young, about 14 years old, and he was designing nest boxes for species that uh, <gasps> uh, had been displaced from wow. urban, urban areas. And, uh, At 14? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, and, but apart from having an interest in uh, uh, fauna, he's also you know, spent a lot of time looking at um, propagating and growing local indigenous plants too. So he's got a very wide sort of view of, uh, of uh, conservation and uh, he's been doing this for so long and mm. was successful in getting the individual award from the, in the World Environment Day Awards uh, from the United Nations of Australia Association. So uh, it's great to see uh, somebody like that getting recognition. Fantastic. It's really impressive. Mm. Congratulations. Yeah, so Gio is... Um, Gio Fitzpatrick. That's right. Yep. And uh, he's um, the Echo Centre's Youth Wildlife Ambassador. I think it's terrific to have a, a young person who can speak really uh, uh, with great depth and, and knowledge about uh, conservation and, and local biodiversity mm. uh, to inspire other young people because uh, the young people, believe it or not, Bron, are the future. Mm. <laughs> yes, they are. Even you one day won't be young. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already passed that point. Oh, really? um, what, what's uh, what are Geo's plans? Uh, well, he, there's a, there's some really impressive young go-getters out there mm. at the moment in the environment movement and environment space. It's not yeah. really a movement, really. I mean, parts of it are, of course, but it's becoming such a part of just everybody's life. Yeah. What what are his ideas and moves and what was he planning well, next? Well, he's just completed HSC last year and he was taking a gap year, so he's been uh, continuing his local work studying at the local en- environment. Um, and uh, things are starting to unfold a bit, so he's been invited to go for a trip to the Falklands in, in, oh. in October, November oh, wow. with, uh, uh, as an intern on a... Uh, a research uh, trip down there so mm. I guess um, we'll just see what emerges for him but uh, he, he will be doing great things for sure. Yeah. I think one of the key things I didn't mention is that uh, he discovered a, an intertidal spider down at Point Ormond in which uh, in 2014 that hadn't actually been seen in Victoria since 1902. Oh, and so wow. he, he seems to come up with things that nobody else yeah. is ever even aware existed um, simply because he's out there looking and, and recording what's there. That's wonderful. Mm. Hey, uh, we'll have to try mm. and organise for him to come in. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a great communicator too, which oh, is good. the other really good thing. You know, so mm. very down to earth and uh, plain speaking, but uh, great depth of knowledge, as I said. Brilliant. Well, we'll organise that. 
Definitely organise that. And uh, be the regeneration. Tell us about this program. Speaking yeah. of youth. Yes, that's right. What uh, are you think? We, we've uh, been fortunate to uh, uh, be funded to deliver a, um, a youth environment project to get young people involved in uh, monitoring the coastal environments and also um, doing some uh, work to revegetate the St Kilda breakwater, which um, is being denuded by those penguins. They, they just keep on pull, pulling the plants out to uh, <laughs> put in their nests. So the, the population is, is doing particularly well. Mm. Um, but um, one of the big issues with the breakwater, though, is that um, it will erode over time and will require heavy earth-moving equipment to be brought in to uh, uh, rebuild it. We've done it before successfully, but it was quite a task, though. And uh, if we can get the um, plants actually preventing the erosion, then that'll stave off that the need to do that. So are you putting a call out for people to get involved? That's right. And yep. In fact, um, we're going to be out there today um, be meeting people at the entrance to St Kilda Pier at, at 4 o'clock. Essentially, it's for young people between 15 to 25 who are interested in uh, getting involved in coastal ecology and a great opportunity really to um, learn about particularly mm. what's going on in the near the urban uh, coast. So... Yeah, it's a, and the key thing we want people to become leaders. That's that's the the other thing too. That uh, as I say, people like Geo uh, w- will be the leaders of the future, and uh, to get them, empower them to have the skills to be able to be very effective in shaping their future. That's right, yeah. and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, really, it. it's yeah. about finding these great people and just backing them all the way. Yep. Anything else, Neil? Ah, well, uh, yeah, the, the Penguin uh, Symposium, I have to mention that, Earth Carers um, will have, uh, be notching up their 30th year of uh, studying the St Kilda Penguins in, in August and uh, there's going to be a, a symposium held to celebrate that uh, on the, um, where is it, the 27th of August, so the late, late period of August, a lot going on. It's a free event that's going to be held at the Memo Hall in St Kilda. Uh, there's about 14 speakers, uh, including Nikki Kowalczyk, who's um, done some uh, penguin studies on the ecology of foraging and, and reproductive behaviour. Uh, and Andre Sciardia from uh, Phillip Island uh, um, Penguin Reserve too is actually going to be talking comparing oceanic and and bay penguins so that'll be fascinating. Mm, brilliant, that's great. So that's on 27th of August, Memo Hall. It's a free event in yeah. St Kilda. I've been mm. scribbling down some notes, but um, we'll get you in definitely before then, Neil, and we can talk some more about that and and talk more about some of the other speakers who are taking part in that too. Yeah, there's a try booking uh, thing. So if people just Google uh, Penguin Symposium St Kilda, uh, they can book into that. It's as I say, it's free. Yep. Hmm. There's about 14 speakers, but it should be really great. I was going to say, how big is Memo Hall? Because it's going to want to be pretty big. I imagine this one will be very popular. Yeah, it's, it's quite a large hall. You can probably fit 200 people in, I think. So. OK. Hmm. Excellent. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. Excellent. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Great. Been speaking with Neil Blake, uh, Port Phillip Baykeeper. Ah, ah, ah. We're going to... Uh, what are we going to do, Terry? Dive report. Let's do a super quick dive report. Yeah, okay. So it's pretty calm out there today. Um, cold, about 13 or 14 degrees. A few guys out 
doing the wrecks uh, this morning that I know of, hello to them. And uh, the spider crabs have probably been and gone. Huge numbers, you heard about that the other week. We, um, had, uh, we had P.T. Hirschfield on last yeah. week. Oh, excellent. Yeah. yeah, so she's she's got all the goss on that. And they're pretty much uh, d- dissipated now, but the people are still trying to get out there and see them. So, um, yeah, so uh, good day for diving, nice and calm. Um, just rug up. But otherwise, yeah, just come down to Elston Week. <laughs> yes, come down to Elston Week Park. Hey, Bowie Brankia, let's talk about this. This is absolutely spectacular. Oh, amazing. <laughs> This is a site, uh, it's on, um, so it's Bowie Brankia, so as in David Bowie, all is one word. Um, if you Google it, it comes up, it's a fantastic collection of photos. It's on uh, Tumblr, so bowiebrankia.tumblr.com. And uh, this is just mind-blowing. I mean, not only from both sides, to see all the different facets, of course, of David Bowie, amazing costumes, his personas, and then the person has matched up David Bowie with different species of nerdy branks. And <laughs> oh, it's just... It's something you wouldn't believe. You you would imagine there might be, oh, I don't know, five or six? Yeah, yeah. But it goes on, on and, and on. Yeah, yeah. I counted them up. There are 30. Oh. And these are all different um, stages of Bowie in his creative brilliance. Everything from Ziggy Stardust, Ziggy Stardust right to, yeah. to uh, his what he did more in recent Labyrinth, and yeah. then all the way through to the end, yeah, right through to his very final um, uh, his work, and there are nudibranchs that are absolutely perfectly matched to him. Yeah, like there's one of our favourite little nudibranchs is the one that gets called Shaun the Sheep because it's got tiny little eyes and it's sort of white and fluffy, and they've got um, yes. yeah, so that's the golden volume. It, it, that was his 80s time, and that's when I went and saw him. That's live. right. At the MCG, that was when he did Golden Years. I think. Yeah, the Golden yeah. Years, and that was so that was sh- the sheep nudie. And um, there's a really beautiful nudie brank, which I mean, I, of all these nudie branks, I've probably only seen maybe three or four. And gee, I thought I've seen a lot of nudie branks, but there's a gorgeous uh, one that's. Um, uh, it's got a beautiful red uh, head and, and brown and white and blue and it's matched so well to Ziggy Stardust with the red <laughs> hair. It was just perfect. So it's really, really well worth looking at, either either if you're a Nudibrank fan like me or, or a David Bowie fan, which I also am. So um, very, very clever and, uh, yeah. Hats yeah. off to the person who very, did that one. Very good. Yeah, the Labyrinth one is sensational. Oh, Labyrinth, that's right. It's got the, the Nudie with the... It's quite unusual. It's almost like a sea hare, actually. It's sort of got very long, um, feathery rhinophores and and, uh, sort of mouth parts. It's quite an odd-looking one, but it really does match it. There's one towards the end, which is not actually Bowie, but it's Prince when he he, uh, paid tribute to Bowie. And and so they've discussed this one. It says, this is Bowie Branchia's tribute to Prince. They may both... uh, Now may they both fill the universe with their art and music across all dimensions and time. And there's a perfectly matched nudie brank to that one as well. So Bowie Branchia, it's pretty easy to find. You can just Google it, Bowie Branchia, and it'll just come up because there's nothing else like it. It's out there. Of an interesting note, I think someone, it's either the author or someone else made a comment, said it's almost as if David Bowie, when he was really young, looked at a whole lot of nudie branks and then thought, <laughs> what costumes could I make through yeah. my life to match these? That's right. <laughs> and then that is how well this thing is put together. Yeah. Thanks, Terry. No worries. That was great. Our next guest is here to talk about something going on soon at the MCG, but it's not about footy. From the 29th of August till the 1st of September, the MCG will be home to hundreds of coastal managers from around the country, all heading 
heading to Melbourne for the 2016 Coast to Coast Conference. The meeting is going to be hosted by the Victorian Coastal Council. To tell us all about it, we're very pleased to welcome back to Triple R from the Victorian Coastal Council, Rob Gell. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Bron, and uh, lovely to be with you again. It's great to have you back. I think last time you were here was during a radiothon a couple of years ago. Yes, and we had to choose our favourite marine creature, which was always fun. And it's nice to remember that sort of stuff, and it's really nice to... I mean, I I love the way you guys approach marine, or marine and coastal. It's good. It's nice. It's always fun. No, I love being here. Excellent. Well, you're welcome every time. It's Thank wonderful you. to have you back. Uh, now, Coast to Coast, what's it all about? Well, it's a great conference. It happens, uh, I think you gave an introduction earlier, it, every, every couple of years. Last one we had was in Mandurah, uh, south oh. of Perth. So we're back in the big city this year. And interestingly enough, at that other, at, in Melbourne, at that Melbourne icon, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've chosen it really because it's got such wonderful facilities. It, I mean, the IT network and set up there is really second to none. So it'll be a great uh, it'll, it'll be a great place to have the conference I think the best thing about it is it brings people who are in- interested in marine and coastal matters and they span anything from urban policy to marine science and climate change to whatever it brings them all together in one place and we actually have a really good sort of chinwag about what's going on not only in Australia but then we bring in internationals to get a global perspective on what we need to do perhaps mm. or whether how we sit in the global framework in terms of managing our coast which is well probably and I heard you talking about issues with the reef and very and sea turtles I saw the story last night as well um, we're in great danger in this country given that we all live on the green veranda around the edge Mm. of loving our coast to death so we've really got to do a better job so we've got to learn and uh, really concentrate and that's why that that, that's the value of coast to coast and these uh, are great opportunities for people to come together and discuss things that are uh, of you know first and foremost in the front of their minds but also to hear from other parts of of this particular space areas where maybe they're not working so in in such a concentrated absolutely. way absolutely i think it's i think it's important to see, i've been on the coastal council for a number of years and i mean many many people who who it's it's their entire career i sort of had this distracting thing doing the weather on the telly for a period of time so that <laughs> as a coastal geomorphologist it's a, it's a fundamental but it really invigorates you to hear and be inspired by what other people are doing uh, and and learn how their knowledge contributes to your own and how because the the, the complexity of coastal management is i mean i, I don't know whether there's a, a more complex spot mm. you know that that little bit on the edge between the water and the land uh and the influences on it so i mean the complexity of it and, and how to manage it with population pressures and all the other things is uh is really something to really think hard about you need to have all those influences and inf- extra information so that you can actually make good decisions now the, the important thing as far as victoria is concerned of course is we've had 20 years now of a coastal management act and we're in transition now to a marine and coastal act uh, and that's being uh, designed, and we need to actually sort of build into that thinking as well. So for so for so, so it, it, it's actually quite important that it be in Melbourne so we get that influence and input as well. So Im- important conference. As you, as you say, last week of August, first days of uh, first day of of September. Uh, some very good. Um, uh, field trips coming up as well to the surf coast and the peninsula and one right here on the in Melbourne as well and some great uh, keynotes ranging from two of our sort of CSIRO um, leaders Kathy McInnes and uh, and 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 John Church but uh, Ed Blakely who people will re- remember mostly I guess from his role uh, post uh, Hurricane Katrina mm. but, oh, yes. but really uh, 
um, superior knowledge in urban policy and urban planning, particularly in relation to disaster manage, uh, management, and, um, and Tim Flannery. Uh, so we're putting mm -hmm. all these people together, but we're asking them to do specific things. We're getting Tim really to concentrate on, as a climate change activist, I guess, uh, most recently, but getting him to concentrate on sort of uh, coastal issues, Ed Blakely will. And someone I don't know, but I'm looking forward to hearing from, is uh, Dr Tundi Agardi, mm. who uh, runs... Um, well, she's part of Conservation International, um, a marine conservationist, and very wide experience in those sort of critical conservation matters. And... Sea level, climate change, extreme weather events and a whole raft of other things from uh, shoreline morphodynamics to marine science issues and, genetic and uh, engineering structures and how we manage all that sort of stuff on the coast as well. Such a wealth of experience and such a breadth as well. It'll be, it's a, it's a fun, you know, fun-filled, packed program. It's, it's one of those things that I remember from my conference days, and I'm sure you do too, Terry. That and there will be concurrent sessions running. It, it can be quite a quite a challenge oh, to yeah. go through a program like this and actually work out how you're going to divide your time, and particularly when you've got concurrent sessions running, where you, you want to kind of clone yourself and be in three places yeah. at once. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it's it's one of those conferences where. Uh, the participants really want to be to contribute, so we never fail to get a you know really full program. And as I say, it is difficult. I mean, I remember I mean, the last one in Mandurah. Uh, one of the content, one of the venues was some distance from the others. And I sort of you know at my age, sort of sprinting from one spot to another <laughs> get, and getting the bit or getting the end or getting this that up. and the other. And <laughs> no, I really got to do this. But it's uh, and I encourage everybody. I should can, can I give the web address? The web yes. address is coast to coast two o one six, all spelled out. Uh, .org.au and it's all there. There's a really good mobile site too that you can actually see who's there, what's happening. There's an executive forum that's going to be that uh, with uh, Kate Vino now originally appointed to the Melbourne City Council is going to be part of as well. So it's really there's going to be an opportunity for uh, senior coastal managers actually to bang heads and, and, and really nuts them. So it's going to be very constructive I think as well mm. so we're hopeful that the products from it will be very uh, very useful. Now um, you mentioned some of the keynotes. There's some invited speakers as well. Uh, can we go through a couple of the invited speakers? Yeah, sure. And, 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 what, and the difference between keynotes and invited speakers as well. Yeah, the... Uh, the um, you'll have to help me on some of this. I, I, actually, because I haven't got notes on the invited speakers, oh, so right. you <laughs> probably do. I've had, I've had the luxury of a month's holiday until uh, <laughs> this week, so I'm boning up on all this. You know what, I now think maybe, maybe we'll, um, we'll get you in close to the time we can go through who yeah. the invited speakers yeah. are. Then. That'd be great. Yeah, That'd be good. Let's do that. I mean, I, I'm familiar with the keynotes. I don't know whether all of the invited speakers are finalised either, because as you can imagine, we've been planning this bloody conference for months and months and months. It's a big and, job, isn't it? And, uh, and a number of uh, names have been put forward and given that it's in August, I don't know, I'm not sure whether all of them are confirmed. So perhaps we, I'd love to do that. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we go through some of the conference themes just yes. while you're still here? Well, well, well the, the main theme, and I need to... The, the is, uh, I'm flipping connect, through my connect, connect, empower and inspire. And yep. I guess... In 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 a, in in a sense, that's sort of uh, self-explanatory. But and and, I, and and to a large degree, I think that you go to conferences. I do anyway, and I'm sort of perpetually inspired. But it, I think that we 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 settled on that because we want to remind people of the value of that. 
Uh, and I should also say, whilst before we forget to, early bird uh, registrations, I think, first next... 1st of July. 1st of July. Mm. Yep. So it's only sort of less than a week to get in as an early bird. Um, but it's to, it's to remind people of the value of coming to a conference like this. And there'll be about 400 people there. I mean, these are... If you're working in or even just have an interest in marine mm. matters or want to contribute in some way, you know, the, the Australians and internationals that are really sort of in the space are going to be here. So it's an opportunity to talk with them, so certainly to connect, uh, certainly then to inspire you to hear. I mean, um, I've done lots of things in the sort of space, I guess, and being a part of the Coastal Council for a long time, but at the last conference in Mandurah, I was really inspired by some of the things the Brits are doing, and I learned of some work that uh, is being done by the Italians and, and others in Europe that I was kind of a bit unaware of. And that's the, that's the empowerment bit. And I think that that really sort of um, gives you the capability to say, oh, OK, I, I'm really not thinking broadly enough. So yep. empowers you with new ideas. And then just the inspiration of seeing the, the, the efforts being put in by people around the world and around the country. And we'll hear from in the concurrent streams that you've been talking about, Bron, I mean, there are, there are people working at a whole range of scales. There are people working at a global scale. There's people working at sort of global regional mm. and then the sort of Australian and then there's people working at really local level doing really specific critical pieces of work and they all get a chance to uh, to, to present their work and their findings uh, as well and it serves us very well to know that um, you know hoodies on Victorian beaches are actually really important they fit somewhere into the global pattern mm. that's so, right so it's it, it, it's that inspirational bit about what's going on which I always think is a, the great value of bringing people together in a conference exactly right I was just thinking about you know it's been very much in our face and the news with the storms a couple of weeks ago and Sydney and watching those houses and swimming pools and falling into I mean how different is it around the country as to you know you know being allowed to build so close to the coast and I imagine Victoria is uh, sort of much stricter rules are they well, uh, I wish they were oh, right. um, and I think the game's changing all the time as well the other thing is that the impact of sea level rise that's just like the bathtub sea level rise is not the same across the entire continent right it's much more important in northern Australia and in fact mm. our continent's tipping northwards as well so the continent's not helping people okay. in uh, in northern parts of Australia either and our tidal ranges are different different reasons and blah blah blah, blah yeah weather and atmospheric changes that's what Kath McInnes is on about mm. um, our each of our states, I think every state, has, in fact, has a different estimate for sea level rise by um, mm. end of the century. Yeah. Um, and each of the planning schemes are different as well. So we don't have any concordance at all. And I and and now I think that, for example, Victoria, we're talking about 80 centimetres by end of the century. Uh, wow. In most of the states, it's 1.1 metres. Um, other states in Australia is over a metre as well. And if we... The difficulty I have with a lot of planning about... Let's just take sea level rise, because mm. you've sort of brought it up, mm. is that there seems to be a view that... If we present a lower number to people, that's the more conservative view. It's not. Mm. A more conservative position would be present to be present a higher number. That's mm. right. And to plan for the yeah. higher number so we're ready for it. If we say, oh, it's only going to be 40 centimetres by 2100, that's radical. Yes. Mm. And 
I don't think our politicians actually understand that. Mm, no. And we need to be planning for we need to be planning for the extremes. That's right. So if you think, I mean, I've just had a chance to be to have a week in New York, and there there are now and in other places in the states and Pacific Northwest as well, there are signs all over the place about uh, tsunami, mm. and they and they talk openly about the impact of extreme weather events. I don't think we do in Australia. And I think we're probably more vulnerable. Yes, mm. that's right. So I think we've actually got a... I mean, a, part of me being here this morning, and I'm sure you guys will contribute to the broader community understanding. I mean, if there are people listening this morning who don't know anything or had no experience understanding what's going on on the coast, come to the conference because mm. there's some stuff... I mean, particularly in Australia, we all live on the coast. Yep. We've got. We've already seen, as you mentioned, the storms in in, in uh, New South Wales. Mm. Another east coast low. They used yeah. to come every five to ten years. Yeah. Now we get now a couple of years. Every yeah. uh, And and so we're we're seeing changes. We have to understand. We have to prepare ourselves that. It ain't the same as what it was in 1950. That's right. Hey, we're going to park that one there, Rob. Okay, I'll come back. And uh, definitely going to get you to come back. In the meantime, if you want some more information, the website is, you mentioned it earlier. Coast to Coast 2016, all one word, .org.au. Brilliant. And uh, before we let you go, mentioned it's the Community Cup today. Megahertz. Megahertz. It's going to be Can cold and I'd be kicking northward no uh, no you want to kick to the south in the first quarter that's right mm. like northly all day but it's not a bad day you know yeah. cold winter but no rain thank goodness and yeah. uh, in your opinion ideal weather conditions for the megahertz to take it back to back oh, i'd say so yes. <laughs> as so, long so, so as they win the toss and we've organized the weather it's a beautiful morning too by the way it is yeah. thanks rob thanks pleasure. rob been an absolute pleasure we'll get you in soon to talk more about coast to coast coming up in melbourne at the end of august and early september Good morning, Jeff Maynard. Good morning, Bron Burton. How are you? I want to see the uh, megahertz get over the um, the, the rock line. dogs by oh. the uh, by the three points like the Saints. Oh yeah, last oh, night okay. that was great. <laughs> We're, I'm hoping it's going to be a lot more than three points. I think my heart's not going to be able to stand <laughs> it. If it cuts that close to the wire. We are going for back to back. Anyway, more on that in uh, in a bit. But in a bit, I'm going all sciencey today. Excellent. Ooh. Yeah, kicking back, fighting for science, and I've brought in a 1956, so it's 60 years old TV show. It's actually a TV series. It ran between 1955 to 1957 and called Science Fiction Theatre. And it was a little drama each week. And instead of having... Uh, it was sort of the forerunner of things like The Twilight Zone and those oh, sorts right. of shows. And, but each week it was solved not by some sort of mystery, we don't know what the alien is. Science would actually kind of figure it out and it would actually explain it scientifically. So people would... Um, uh, have uh, mental telepathy experiences or see UFOs and all that, and they'd actually get scientists in to actually figure it oh. out. And it was topped and tailed each week by a guy with a really cool name called Truman Bradley, and he'd come out and sort of look all serious and sombre and look at the camera in black and white and introduce the, uh, and introduce the subject for the week. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Truman Bradley. There are two regions not yet explored by man. One is outer space. The other is that four-fifths of our own planet lying beneath the Earth's great oceans. Beneath the sea is a hidden region more than twice the size of all the nations of the Earth put together. Can man survive at the crushing pressure of the ocean depths? This is the big problem that will have to be solved before man can explore the depths, as do the men in our story. A tale of fiction from the borderlands of science I hope you'll enjoy. 
So, yeah, he'd come out and sort of give you some little spiel like that. Great voice. A fantastic voice. He did a lot of that sort of voiceover yeah, stuff. Yeah, when, when you Google it. the guy, yeah, yeah, yeah he, he'd sort of come out and do movie promos and um, tell you the, which toothpaste to use and things like that. Um, anyway, this episode is called The World Below and it stars Eugene Glass. Anybody? Eugene Glass, mm-hmm. okay, Gene Barry was his, oh, uh, was his mm, screen name. Right. Who played um, uh, War of the Worlds, of course. He was famous in War of the Worlds. And he played Bat Masterson, the thing, before the English guy came in and got the gig. Um, anyway, he's, uh, Eugene, uh, Gene Barry is a kind of submarine scientist guy and he lives in this great house with uh, a 1950s sort of no-name wife who cooks roast dinners in a prom dress and comes <laughs> home and has them ready on the table for him. She, she's and not a marine biologist by no. now, is she? <laughs> that, no. <laughs> Don't think so. Um, there's a really wonderful Trump moment in the first scene where he comes home, he sits down at the table and says, I've got a week's holiday, I've disconnected the doorbell, no-one can disturb us. And so this guy from the naval yard or whatever comes up, presses the doorbell, it doesn't work, so he just bangs on the door. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, yeah, OK, <laughs> that'll work. <laughs> anyway, uh, poor old Gene Barry has to get this... They've got this new submarine, they want to send it down to, like, super deep, deep thing. And, um, after, and we have narration throughout too. To explore the ocean floor beyond previous depths attained, the Turner Institute of Oceanography converted a surplus combat submarine to withstand the tremendous pressure below the 1,000 fathom level. Electronic controls enabled a skilled four-man crew to dive the sub on a photographic mission into the unknown. Newly developed safeguards ensured the survival of the crew at depths never before reached in the strange and alien world beneath the sea. Anyway, they go down they take some photographs and the amazing thing is when they come back, they've got a photograph of an underwater city and it's got skyscrapers and everything. It just looks like New York. And they go, wow, this is an underwater city. Cool. So they turn up in the hospital after they sort of all get rescued and the TV cameras come up and uh, ask about this fantastic photograph. I've just learned that the men seem in good shape. Protective devices have kept their bodies from suffering bends or other painful effects of pressure. We'll be able to talk to them in a moment in an on-the-spot coverage and learn just what all the excitement is about. Apparently, there was some kind of discovery. You're Professor Weaver, I'm told by the ship's commander. That's right. How do you feel? All right, I guess. I understand the sub hit something unusual. What was it? A city. A city? At 1,800 fathoms, you can't be serious. I am serious, and I've got pictures to prove it. The base photo lab will have them out in a few hours. We just yeah. had a flying high moment there. So, so we've got an underwater city, and I love underwater cities and movies about underwater cities, but mm. this one science can explain it, because what happened was that when the submarine was sitting in New York Harbour or whatever, somehow it, the reflection of the city got burnt into the glass, and uh, under certain luminescent light, you can actually see the image of the city in the glass. So they go through this whole thing about luminescence at depths and uh, all that, and so they figure out that what we're going to do is get the fish and the luminescent fish and somehow turn that into sort of uh, uh, harness the power for the good of mankind and so Truman Bradley comes back at the end to explain all that for us the city beneath the sea was fiction but what about the strange light the possibility of a luminescent chemical that can take the place of electric lighting is being researched by science and one day out of the total darkness of the deep ocean a new light source may reach and benefit mankind We'll be back with you a week from today with another exciting adventure from the world of fiction and science. Into the red time. 
Brilliant. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. That was great. Now, you're actually taking a little break for a while? Uh, for, for at least three months. I've got a couple of things to do with a possible trip back to America and a whole lot of stuff, so I'm just going to have to uh, concentrate on that, but I'll be back. Well, we look the words f- of um, Arnold. Arnie. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, and we really look forward to you coming back when things settle down a little bit for you. Me too. Likewise, our beautiful Kath Jack, who's been panelling for us for Aww. a very long time. This is her final show Aww. for a while. <laughs> I can't bring it to myself to say forever. So no. Kath's going to have a little spell as well after how many years, Kath? 16, 16 wow. years. This has been a podcast oh. from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.